October 20th, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin on Dafkof Yod Aleph, Amud Aleph. It's six lines down from the top of the page. The Gemara had just mentioned one, and now it's going to mention a few others, uh, conversations, mahlokot, between Resh Lakish and Rabbi Yohanan. They're reading Pesukim in Navi, which are describing uh, doomsday situations. When all is said and done, how many of the uh, not righteous people, the wicked people, are going to perish, and uh, the very few remnants in terms of righteousness, in terms of uh, being sadiqim, are going to stay alive. Resh Lakish had read the initial pasuk, and he'll read these next few pasukim quite literally, or in an over-literal sense, and he's uh, envisioning things as not looking all that good, not only for humanity, but for Am Yisrael in this ultimate time of times when HaKadosh Baruch Hu will, to a large extent, take full dominion over the world in terms of his exertion. And Rabbi Yohanan's response is, uh, we don't talk like that, Has Shalom, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually meant that, he's not going to leave us nor all of humanity in that literal sense, in that fashion. It's got to be better than your reading. So here's the next one. It's at the very beginning of the line over here, cites a pasuk from Zechariah. Pasuk says, Vaya b'chol ha'aretz ne'um Adonai, the Pasuk says that uh, and throughout the world, this Pasuk in Zechariah, two-thirds, it sounds like, are going to perish. It's only a third which will remain alive. Uh, it's already not looking uh, too beautiful, but at the very least, it's a third of humanity that will remain alive. The first opinion here, Amarish Sheli, Shilishi, Shilshim. When we refer to the third a third of existence of humanity staying alive, it's a third from the line of lineage from Shem ben Noah. Now, it doesn't mean uh, specifically just after him. It's further than that, according to Rashi's understanding. It goes like this. Shem is a third of Noah. Noah, of course, has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Yafet. The third child of Shem is Arpachshad, uh, from whom much of the lineage is derived, and it's a third in turn of the descendants of Arpachshad, which means to say, now I can't, I don't think any of us could do the genealogy and actually figure this all out, but ultimately speaking, as Rashi points out, it means you're minimizing the ability of Am Yisrael to stay potentially fully intact in this time of times, because if it's a third of a third, of a third, you're already saying that the remaining human beings are going to be smaller than if it was just a third of the full number, so to speak. Um, and as a result, you're envisioning Resh Lakish, the potential of much of Am Yisrael potentially um, perishing, not being around. Amar le What's that? Because Rabbi Yohanan's response will appear. This is not about Amisa. This is about human existence. But if human existence is going to be so small, it means Am Yisrael, it, it would stand to reason, is not going to be able to, not by the numbers of today, but not going to be able to be fully around. Words, let's say I say a third of a third of a third is less than the entirety of Am Yisrael. Let's say that was it. I don't think that is the reality any longer. But this is a pasuk in Zechariah. There are always, to be, to be uh, true, uh, there are always, to be honest, there are always uh, a pesukim that are, uh, give a different uh, vision with regards to the ability to do teshubah. But these are the nivuah. Nivuah le ra'ah could be hoseh with teshubah. 
But that's the description. Uh, to put it in different words, the Navi over here in Zechariah is predicting if there's not widespread Teshuvah, here's how it will be. It's not a problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. In other words, what Jeffrey points out is if we're dealing with a handful of million Jews today, if, we, if that's what we're determining is Am Yisrael, and you're dealing with the, what, almost 8 billion people, a third of a third of a third is not so difficult. Uh, but that's, uh, I either they're dealing with different numbers or at the same time, says Rabbi Yohanan to Resh Lakish, you still have minimized in terms of numbers. Uh, let, let me rephrase uh, Jeffrey's uh, point. It's, uh, I injected based on Rashi, that interpretation to the Gemara, that our fear is the loss of Am Yisrael. It might be just a humanitarian thing. Rabbi Yohanan turns to Resh Lakish and he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu would not be happy with you talking this way, not so much because you've given less chance to Am Yisrael's existence, but you've given less chance to human beings' existence. There will be less people around at the end. You're suggesting that less people have the ability, the opportunity, or the innate capability to stay righteous. Less about the Rashi reading, uh, perhaps uh, about the Am Yisrael facet. Rather, says Rabbi Yohanan, read it a bit differently. Instead of reading it as a third of the third one and a third of that, just read it as a third of Noah, which means to say all the descendants of Shem, uh, all of those, well, that's what, uh, that sort of numerical value or that so, sort of crowd, that's what will remain. Everything else will be lost. Uh, what does that therefore mean for Rashi? It means that Am Yisrael might not even be that full amount and we'll just grab in others to stay around with us. The Gerim, says Rashi, and others who are good doers. Uh, so the question says, would Yishmael be kibitz haki In other words, but maybe Yishmael has some. Uh, the numbers would really hurt us with Yishmael's involvement today. That's for sure. All right, well, anyway, that's the conversation. It's mahlok between Hanan Rish again, along the same lines. How literally should we be reading these nevuot to the extent that we're minimizing uh, the natural cause of human beings' uh, ability to stay alive uh, through uh, the trials and tribulations of uh, life as we'll know it. Now the Pasuk says, furthermore, in Sefer Yirmiyah, the Pasuk says, Ki anochi ba'alti bachem, ki v'yachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I am the master, I've, I've created you, I am your ba'al, ve'lakachti etchem echad me'ir u'shnai mimishpacha, ve'heveti etchem siyon. Pasuk says in Yirmiyah, God exclaiming, proclaiming his dominion over us. He says, you want to know something? In the future, during time of redemption, called the Yemot Mashiach, I'm going to take one from each city and two from each family. It's expressions with regards to how few people I'm redeeming and bringing back to Sion. That's not very much. One from each uh, city, two from each family. It's not large numbers. How exactly are you determining that? I don't know, but that's not. Just read the Pasuk. As it says it. The words are as they're explicitly stated in the Pasuk. There will be very few human beings, members even of Am Yisrael, who will be a part of this ultimate redemption. again, incredulously, uh, emphatically, turns to Resh Lakish and says, 
your master, our master, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is not comfortable with you talking like that. In other words, Rabbi Yohanan, almost from an emo- emotional response, you can't read the Pasuk that way. Let's stretch the meaning. I know what the Pishat is. But it can't be. That's not the way we envision it. Ela, rather, envision that one from the city, two from family, as those who will redeem all others. Read it like this. Read it as follows. One from each city will be able to have the merit to bring forth the righteousness of that city. You have a Sadiq Ba'ir, he has the capability, suggested to be Yohanan from this Pasuk, to redeem the entire, I mean, keep in mind, Abraham in Sedom is looking for the several few who are righteous who can redeem the Kelal, two from each family, maybe we'll be able to be Mizakeh, the entire family lineage. I mean, the reading in the Pasuk is not so awful to be Yohanan. I know Resh Lakish said it's Dvarim Kichtavam, but keep in mind, one from each city, a city generally speaking, we envision as being larger than a Mishpaha family unit. Family unit might be the full lineage, but ultimately speaking, when I talk about city and family, generally speaking, you'd imagine the city is larger than the family. So then why is it one for the city and two for the family? Rabbi Yohanan's reading might be, might have a, a, a better credence with regards to that. One for the city, the description Pasuk is, uh, that will be able to redeem it, even though it's large, but if you have the one who's truly righteous in the city, he can redeem even outside of it, two from each family. Uh, that's the suggestion here of Rabbi Yohanan. It continues the Gemara. Yativ Rav Kahana Kameh Derav Ve'yativ Ve'kamah Devarim Kichtavam Rav Kahana was sitting and studying, it means implicitly, in front of Rav, Rav the Emora, Rav Kahana, a student, who studied V'ka'amad Dvarim Kichtavam, as they were studying this Pasuk from Sefer Yirmiyah, Rav Kahana said, Dvarim Kichtavam, you have to understand the matter as it stated. One from each city, two from each family, that's who's going to be there, Biyamot HaMashiach, that's who God's going to redeem. Amar le Rav, Rav exclaims to Rav Kahana and says, Lo The same conversation we had between Rabbi Yohanan and Resh Lakish. Now Rav turns to Rav Kahana and he says, Your master, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, doesn't love when you talk like this. Again, the references to how to redeem those units of city and family. The Gemara continues very briefly with them. Short story about this encounter between Rabbi, uh, Rav and Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana apparently was brushing his hair, making himself look good while studying together with Rav. This sounds like in the same, same setting. And they're dealing with this pasuk, and Rav Kahana is, uh, is brushing his hair, is, uh, making himself look good. Amar uh, says Rav to his student, Rav Kahana, did you know that the Pasuk says, uh, He will not be found in the land of life, meaning in Aharita Yamin, meaning Olam Haba, meaning Yimota Mashiach, meaning during the time of redemption, won't be found. He seems to be turning to Rav Kahana, who's making himself beautiful, and putting him down in some way, cursing him. Amar le says Rav Kahana to his rabbi, to Rav, Melat Kalaitli. Are you cursing me out? Are you saying that because of this, I'm going to lose the merit in, in, in the afterlife? I'm going to lose the opportunity to be a part of this redemption? Amar says, Rav to Rav Kahana, that's not what I was doing. Kera Amina, 
I'm just quoting to you a pasuk. The pasuk says, as we said a moment ago, it will not be found in the land of life. So he says, don't read it like that. Here's what I meant. Now that we're dealing with these sorts of pasukim, I meant the following. A person who's focused on his life won't have found with him Torah. Torah, by definition, means I'm entering into a relationship with God, with Borei Olam, and in turn it means I'm less focused on myself and more focused on Him. If I see you during the time of study, says Rashi specifically, um, beautifying yourself, Rashi seems to imply it doesn't mean you can't brush your hair otherwise. It means while you're engaged in this relationship, you're focused on yourself instead of on it, instead of on him, then you're not going to find Torah. If a person engages in any relationship with self-motives, with your own mind and self uh, as, your, as your objective, well, that's not going to be a fulfilling, it's not going to be a conducive relationship with the other, certainly with Torah. That's, that's the, uh, the, the story here with regards to Rav Kana and Rav. So again, according to Rashi, it's not, his, his Rashi at the top of the left-hand side, the Kahai Freshe says, Rashi, The issue according to Rashi is, you're supposed to be involved in relationship. Separately, Yad Raman, and it's going to be Meir Abu Afya, he quotes from the Gemara elsewhere that the Gemara says that the uh, Torah, you're supposed to be Memitetas Mo'aleat, Gemara Masechet Berachot, which means to say you're not supposed to have any Idunim, you're not supposed to indulge in any of the Ta'anugeh Ha'olam Hazeh, and in turn says the Yad Rama, when you're at that level, I'm adding these, these words in, when you're at the Rav Kahana and Rav level, so engaged in any vain, any vanity uh, activities is inappropriate with regards to your engagement in Torah. Uh, but Rashi, I think, is a little bit more realistic for the average person with regards to his vision of, as I'm engaged in Torah, I'm focused on it, on him, as opposed to on myself. Says the Gemara Tanya, Omer, Ne'emar, the Pasuk says, uh, with regards to Am Yisrael in Egypt, V'lakachti etchem li le'am. Hazuk says that I'm going to take you. It's one of the Arba Lishonot Geulah. I'm going to take you as for me as a nation. Veneemar. And then the Pasuk says, Veheveti etchem. And I'll bring you to Eretz Israel. Also, on the one hand, morning. I heard a voice I recognized here. It says, Pasuk, I'm going to take you and I'm going to bring you. Makish. Makish, of course, means that we, uh, we um, juxtapose. We put next to each other. Yesiatami Mitzrayim, Libiatan La'aret. So Yesiat Mitzrayim. And Hachnasa, Kenisa La'aretz are put right next to each other. I'm going to take you as my nation from Egypt, and I'm going to bring you into the land. So there's something similar. Mabiatat La'aretz, Shenaim Mishishim Ribo, Af Yisayatam Mitzrayim, Shenaim Mishishim Ribo, says the Gemara. Uh, says the same way, says this Beraita, the same way that you're. Uh, entrance into Eretz Israel is two out of 600,000. Who's two out of 600,000? 600,000 men between the age of 20 and 60 leave Egypt. How many enter into Eretz Kena'an? Just two, Yehoshua and Caleb, two out of 600,000. In turn, the understanding is the same way you're going to enter, only two out of 600,000, the righteous ones, so too that's how you left Egypt, only two out of 600,000 left Egypt. Uh, it's a jarring number. It might be an exaggerated number, but that's the number, which means, this of course accords with the Perush Rashi ala Torah, Rashi over there suggests, based on the Mechilta, based on the Midrash, that during Makat Hoshech, I can't even hear myself already, during Makat Hoshech, 
uh, many of the uh, of Am Yisrael, the, the wrong ones, the Rishaim and Am Yisrael died. It wasn't only the Egyptians, but Am Yisrael died. Why during Makat Hoshech over the course of those three days? So that the Egyptians didn't say, oh, you see, uh, your God is taking it out on you as well. It was done kind of in a hidden way. But the description then in the... What's that? This is, this, is, this is a lot less than that. Yes, imagine the numbers as well. It, it, again, if, if you do the numbers, and I'm sure you did it already, and I, I, my math is not my forte, if it's two out of 600,000 and they have 600,000 leaving, we're dealing with huge numbers of Ami sale in Egypt. So more than anything, if we're going to accord it with that midrash, as I'm suggesting, it means a large, large number did were lost, um, not not per se an exact. So Rashi deals with that. Rashi on our page deals with that. He says, but the number six hundred thousand was only twenty to sixty anyway. So those who entered were below the age of 20. They weren't a part of that 600,000 count. So the number does work in that respect. Yeah, the other, yeah, the other people made it out. Women as well, certainly. So well, the only people who made it out was Ebed and Sarah Out of Egypt? What about Moshe? Aharon. Two that actually entered. Two that actually entered. Two that actually entered also left. Sarah Fata she was alive when she went in. What about Yoshua and Khaled? Oh, entered Egypt. No, but that's not what we're saying. We're saying Makishi Yesiatami Mitzrayim Libyatan Laaret. Anyway, it says the Gemara onward, Amar Rava v'chen limota Mashiach says Rava, and again, now you understand the context. We were just talking about Yemota Mashiach. What does this have to do? It says, Yesiyah Mitzrayim, Kenisa La'aret. He says, you should know it's the same for Yemota Mashiach, which again, is back to our Resh Lakish, depressing statistics. The statistics are, are jarring. Uh, the statement is, there's going to be very few people who actually are there to behold it. Shine Emar, as the Pasuk says in Hoshea, the Pasuk says, Ve'anta shamma kimen ne'urea alota misraim. The word anta, says Rashi, is milashon ani oni. It's from uh, poverty or uh, sh- uh, sh- uh, struck by uh, by difficulty. And it means in the days of redemption, it's going to be kiyom alotam eres misraim. Just like when you left eres misraim, it's going to be dire numbers, dire circumstances, very few people. Tanya, abiraita, amar biyel azab ribiyose, pa'am ahad nikhnasti l'alexandria shel misraim. Biyel azab ribiyose describes how he once entered into the city of Alexandria in Egypt. Masati zake I found an elder man there, or, or a wise man, and he said to me, Let me show you what my forefathers did to your forefathers. Uh, says Maharsha, he's not actually going to show him the artifacts are gone. He rather is perhaps opening up to some sort of history book that they had in the uh, in, in Alexandria in some you know, I don't know chamber of some sort. In other words, to, to suggest that he's actually showing it to him physically is uh, very difficult. Says 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 Maharsha. Yeah, but even then, what we're about to read, uh, hard to maybe mehem again against Maharsha. Mehem tavi'ubayam says again. Is he showing him the drowned people from the ocean? Is that so maybe Yusuf Paro's body. Okay, mehem harigu beharev. Some of them were killed. Oh, oh sure, you sound like Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, "Don't talk like that." Borei Olam would never talk like that. It's very depressing. More than anything, to put a positive spin on it, it's back to Nathan's point. This is all depressing. It's not a promise that can't be revoked. 
It could be revoked with Teshubah, that's clear. But this is, if we leave it status quo, this is how it's going to be. If we don't better ourselves, that's really, that's what the Nevi'im are telling us. Okay, Mehem Haregube Harev, you should know the Egyptians, some of them killed Am Yisrael with swords. Mehem Ma'achu Babinyan, and some of them they squashed into, they, they flattened in, uh, in building. Uh, that's Rashi, we saw quoted a Midrash on Dafkof Aleph, Rashi quoted from the Midrash, and we're going to read about it very briefly here in the Gemara, that when Moshe goes to Paro and says that you need to send Am Yisrael out, Paro pulls back from the Tevin, he doesn't give him the raw materials for creating the bricks. Says the Midrash, how'd they end up creating bricks? So maybe you'd say they made less. No, but the Pesukim described how they had to make just as much, but they don't have the raw material. According to the Midrash, they took the babies of Am Yisrael and they squashed them into the walls. They became uh, in place of, of bricks. It's a scary thought. It's a strange description as well, but that's what this is referring to over here. It says the Gemara, Now, I don't think the Egyptian any longer is speaking and uh, showing this in his book. I think now the Gemara, now the Beraitara, once he told that story, he now takes off in his message and he says, and you should know, in some respect, Moshe was punished for the following, says the Pasuk, and from the time that I came to Paro, to speak in your name, you should know that, God, that Paro, since I spoke in your name, God, has only made things worse for us. Why is this being mentioned in this Beraita? Because according to that Midrash, the squashing into the bricks happened after Moshe goes to Paro, petitions that he send them out. He says, I'm going to hold back on the raw material. Then the, So now, in that context, the Beraita takes off and says, you should know, Moshe, in that situation, was punished because he acted wrongfully. How so? Because he turns to God and he says that. He expresses, you should know, God, you haven't done anything good for us. We've only made it worse. Then the Gemara says that Kadosh Baruch Hu, Kivyachol, the Beraita describes response to Moshe, Haval al de'avdin v'lamishtakehin. He says, you know something? Well, it's a woe is to us for those whom we lost. We'll never forget them. What's that referring to? Well, we're going to see in just a moment. Kivyachol, Borei Olam, turns to Moshe and says, you know something? If only we had Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov still around, they never talked like you. They never had this sort of expressed doubt or, uh, or, or necessity to understand it all. How so? Uh, so you should know, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, unlike you, Moshe, uh, they too had trials, tribulations, difficulties in their life. They were never meharher aharai. They never had that doubt and needed to know, what's my name? I, in fact, revealed myself to them with kil shakai. Rashi, quoting from the Midrash, in his Perush ala Torah, says that kil shakai, Oh, well, the Gemara Masechet Hagiga says the, the name Shin Dalidiot is Milashon She'amarti Le'olami Dai. The Kivyachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu caps things. He doesn't reveal it all and he doesn't give the realization. It's, it's Kadosh Baruch Hu Simsum. He doesn't give the realization of his promise immediately. The name Yod Kevavke is what you see is what you get. I promised you this, I'm going to fulfill it. So Kivyachol, what God is saying to Moshe over here is, and we have these Pesukim at the beginning of Sefer Shemot, he says to him, he says, you should know, and it's a new reading of those Pesukim, whereas we read those Pesukim and we see it somewhat uh, poetically. When Kadosh Baruch Hu turns to Moshe, Moshe says, what's your name? 
God says, listen, let me tell you, Abraham, it's Hakan Yaakov, it was Kel Shakai. I was Ne'eman Bibriti, I was, I was going to stand by my Shavuah, but I never fulfilled it. For you, Rohi, and for your people, I'm, I'm going to fulfill it. Over here, it's almost in a moment of anger. You need it revealed. Are you aware of who they were? And you, uh, you have the anger, you have the doubt. Uh, let me tell you about who you should be like, who you could have been like. Avram, Tzachid, Yaakov. Amarti l'Avram, kumi talech ba'aretz. Le'orkal rochba, ki l'chayetenenna. I had promised Avraham Avinu, go walk through the land because I'm going to give it to you and to your descendants. B'kesh and furthermore, so he's walking through the land, he never actually gets it. He doesn't even have a burial plot for his wife. He has to pay an exorbitant amount, 400 shekel. And he never had questions about my character, about my essence. Abraham Abinu was not mehar her. You, Moshe, you need to understand it. You need the name, you need the Yod Kevavke, you can't live in a relationship with me in which it's Shindalid Yod, in which there's a promise, in which you don't understand the fulfillment and haven't seen it yet. I said to Yitzhak, I said to Yitzhak, stay in this land during a time of famine. He was thinking about going to Egypt and I told him, don't go. Furthermore, there was no water and they needed to get water and there was a fight with the shepherds in Gerar. And nonetheless, even after the fight, even during the time of famine, Yitzhak never was meharher achar midotai. Chaval al de'avdin v'lamishtakechin. It's a shame we lost them. And so to speak, we're dealing with you now. Amarti le'yakov ha'aretz ha'sheyata shokhev alei lechai tenenna. I promised Yaakov the land which you're lying on. I'm going to give it to you. Bikesh makom lintua aholo. Later on, berek lamid gimal and bereshit. He's looking for a place to plant, to, to, to set up his, his uh, dwelling places. Ohel v'lomasa she'kanab b'me'a kesita. And he has to ultimately pay a large amount the money to buy the land from Ashikem bin Hamor, Velor Hirher Ahar Midotai, Velo Ameruli Mashemecha, Veata, and you, Moshe, Amartali Mashemecha, Batehila, Veachavata Omeli Haselo is out at Amecha, Ata Tire Asher Esele Paro, Bemilhemet Paro Ataroe, Viataroe, Bemilhemet Shloshim, Vehad Melachim. The final statement of God, according to this Beraita, is. He turns to Moshe and he says, Now you're going to see that which I'll do to Paro. And the Diyuk goes as follows, You'll see what I'm doing to Paro, but you won't see what I'm going to do to the 31 kings in Eretz Canaan. Effectively, it's now that he's telling him already that you're not going to enter into the land. There's a very big difference between Abraham and Zadiyako who didn't complain that they weren't getting the share and Moshe sticking up for the people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna further the question. I can't tell you I'm gonna fully answer it, but I'm gonna further the question first with Mars's question as well. The fact that he doesn't enter into Eretz Kenan, we find out in Parashat Hukat because he doesn't speak to the rock and he hits the rock. The Torah tells us explicitly that's why he's not entering it. So what sort of midrash is this furthermore? I'm suggesting, I'm suggesting the following, it's a point we've made in the past, 
that the mode of leadership of Moshe was very different than the character trait. It's less a claim over here, I'm suggesting, about the wrongdoing of Moshe. It's more about who he was as a leader, who he was as a person, which was inappropriate for these people. Before I give that explanation, just to answer Morris's question separately, Maharsha suggests in his commentary to the Gemara, he says, listen, this was the initial stage where God says you're not gonna enter, but Moshe could have done Teshubah and prayed for it. Het seals it. That's Maharsha. But I'm suggesting the following. It goes like this. There's two modes of leadership. The mode of leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu was where everything was revealed to the people. His leadership was one in which he rises to the top of the mountain and his mode of leadership is one in which he supports the people directly. It's what he says in Parashat Be'alotecha. I'm like a yonek to the people. I'm nursing the people. Moshe for Am Yisrael was direct. There were no questions. Everyone was aware of where to go and how to do, because that's the way he led them. That's that's 100%. Very different than Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov live with the mystery, and Moshe has no such mystery. So what I'm suggesting in turn is, even though we're portraying it, so to speak, as a wrongdoing in Moshe, it's more a reality. The reality is, Moshe, you're going to be the greatest leader ever but you're gonna be the leader for the people as they're becoming a people. The example I always give is the parent to the child. Parent to the child, when you're growing up, when you're in school, your parent is packing you your lunch. You know, you come home and you have the dinner on the table. You know where it's coming from and you know what it's going to be and you don't need to think about that because it's all revealed. It's all supported for you. That's the Moshe leadership to Am Yisrael. Their relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is we walk through the desert and what do we have daily? Man, the food is there for us. We know where to look. We know what to do because you tell us what to do. There's no questions. There's no doubts. The man, in fact, according to the Hakamim, stops after the death of Moshe. The new leadership will be a Yehoshua leadership. That's no longer direct and um, without any obstacles. That's having to piece together where to go and what to do. Yehoshua would be similar to the Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov model of never asking the name, not realizing, not having all the answers, having to live quote-unquote life in the real sense, life as we know it. So what I'm suggesting then is, you're right, the claim against Moshe is not so much what type of person you are, it's more describing to us you can't be the future leader of these people because your mode of leadership is great. Get them out of Egypt, develop their relationship with me, grow them through their adolescent uh, growth stages in the desert. But ultimately speaking, when they step into Eretz Canaan, and in fact that's the reference to the 31 kings when it's gonna be real wars, when it's no longer gonna be like Moshe, what do you do with Moshe? You watch, you see, you lift your hands up. When you enter into Eretz Kenan, it's going to be a real fight. Moshe, you're no longer the person for them then. But it's Moshe from the very beginning demanding those answers. It's Moshe from the very beginning, that's who he is. We know that from Parashat Kitisar. He wants to understand God in his fullest, and he gets very close to that. That's not real life as you and I know it. That's Moshe life. That's Moshe who's Isha Elohim. Says the Gemara onward, This is bringing us now to after Heta Egel. The Pasuk says that Moshe quickly, by Maher Moshe, he quickly, 
He falls down to the ground. Says after the thirteen midot shel rachamim. So what happened was Hakadosh Am Yisrael sin at Chet Aegel. Hakadosh Baruch Hu after instructs Moshe of his midot his thirteen Hashem Hashem kel rachum v'chanun and so forth. The pasuk right afterwards says Vayimahel Moshe quickly Vayikodat haYishtachmen. And the understanding of the rachamim is that quickness. The fact that he quickly falls down is that there's something before even taking in everything that was said that impresses him very much. Ask the what was it? Explains Rashi. Which midah? Which of those thirteen midot? Says Rashi. Amara, uh, um, excuse me. Mara al ezem midah shel yod gimel midot ra'avishta hava. Which one of those thirteen midot shel rahamim kiviachol was the attribute which Moshe was so overwhelmed by? He couldn't stand up straight any longer. He fell down on his face. So the Gemara has two opinions. Bihanina ben Gamla Amar erech apaim ra'a v'rabbanan amre emet ra'a. The first opinion is erech apaim. What does it mean to be erech apaim? The Gemara will go into this in detail in the next several lines, but just to mention what it means. Erech, of course, aroch means long. Apaim, af in the Torah, is nose, and nose denotes na- uh, anger. The anger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, interesting. Erech um, means that Hakadosh uh, Baruch Hu gives the opportunity to do teshuba. It means that the anger is, is is spread out over time. Instead of taking it out on you immediately and punishing you, uh, there's a certain patience. There's a certain ability to have sadlanut and give us the space to change ourselves. That's what erech is. The Gemara will talk obviously about its significance at a time like heta egel and afterwards during heta meragilim. The second opinion here in the Gemara is. Uh, that that he didn't see uh, that he didn't feel overwhelmed by Erech immediately to fall, but rather Emet. That one, the Gemara, will not be elaborate about. So very briefly, just reading Rashi, Rashi says Emet Ra'a, it's about t- nine lines from the bottom on the left-hand side of the page, says Rashi, Emet Ra'a b'midotav, uh, it was the midav Emet, of truthfulness, of straightness, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, shenikra Emet v'nitiyara im nithayevu keliyah im hudan otan bedin gamur. The falling to his face was not overwhelmed by joy, by uh, happiness. It's rather he got very frightened when he heard that the Midava Kadosh Baruch Hu is emet. It's, it's close to being the opposite of it. And according to this opinion, he's overwhelmed by fear, whereas the first one is he's in some respect relieved. We'll go onward. Certainly, we'll go on in the Gemara. We'll go on in the Gemara to understand that Erech with regards to the understanding of the Hachamim, but it means that in that moment, Vaymaher denotes for us there was one specific attribute which overwhelms him. It's either Emet because he fears for the people's lives in the future. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu treats us with Emet, we don't have a chance. Or it's Erech he's overwhelmed with uh, oh my goodness, what a relationship we have set forth for us. We're able to redeem ourselves in the future because he has that Erech Baruch Amen Amen. Yeah,